Our scripture this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We're in chapter 4, verses 1 through 18. I encourage you um, to follow along in the Pew Bible if you didn't bring a Bible with you. Um, You can find it on page 1,161. Again, that's Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 18. And as you're you're turning, uh, I'm going to take a quick moment here to summarize the Gospel of Mark, if you'll give it to me after a year. Um, So if you're new here and you just heard that, we, we spent over a year in the Gospel of Mark, and, and everyone was so ready to be done with it. And then we finished with it, and Mark ended us on a wonderful crescendo, right? Jesus is resurrected, and now he's appearing before the disciples, and he gives the great commission, the command to his followers to go into all the world and to share the gospel throughout creation. And, and so we were left with Jesus, with this great sending forth. And and, and last week, we all left with so much energy, and we were so pumped, and we're ready to go. And the question then is, how? How is it that we go? What is it that that we share about Jesus to the world? And and so the, the simple answer is, you give them Jesus. However, it's a bit more complex than that. There's some nuance to it. And, and the complex answer is that as we mature in Christ and become fluent in the gospel, it's so that we can share effectively the gospel in the everyday living of our lives and the lives of others. And so to help us better understand that, we're going to go here into Paul's letter in Ephesians and begin the next eight weeks um, in gospel fluency. And so there it's written in the word of the Lord. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. Here ends the reading of God. If you would, please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we've been given the great commission to go, to go into the world and to share Jesus. And the question is, how do we do that? And so what it requires from us is fluency in the gospel, to be fluent in, in, the, in the things of Jesus to speak into everyday life. Now, now to understand fluency, uh, we can look at languages and understand them. And I'll share my own journey through languages with you to kind of help color how we look at fluency here. So there was a point in time early, very, very early in my life where um, people were talking to me in plain English and I understood none of it. I know this because with my own kids, I spoke to them in plain English and they understood none of it, Right? But it was this immersion into it and this growing up around it that I learned that the language spoken in my house was the language that then would color how I see the world, right? And so as I would grow around fifth grade or so came, came this new fad around for fifth graders and it was to learn the language of pig Latin, yeah. right? And it was, it was kind of cool because you're like, I'm speaking in code, that maybe my parents don't understand, right? Um, truth is, I, I, I never really caught on with me very much, and, and I know this because as my daughter has, has grown up, she came home one day, and she began speaking pig Latin, and, and it caught me off guard, and I was like, what's going on in my house? And I, and I understood most of it, but not all of it. Um, and so that, that was an interesting day, to say the least. So as I continue to grow, though, I'm growing up in Texas, and, and so... I get to high school, and you get to take a foreign language in high school. So what is the best language in Texas to learn if you're growing up? Spanish. No, French. <laughs> right? Makes complete sense, doesn't it? Right? You, you live in Texas, and, you, and you're like, yeah, we're going to learn French because it seems fun. And they passed out bonbons, which is candy in French. And, and so I take three years of French in high school, and to this day, the effectiveness of the language I can speak is un petit peu, which is just a little, and enough to ask people to please speak in English, <laughs> right? So, so what happens is I look at this chair right here, and when I see the chair, my brain says chair in English. That's how it says it. It says it in my head. I see the chair, and I say, and my head says chair in English. I don't see the chair and hear the word chair in French right? Because I'm not fluent in French. That's not how it works. It, you know, uh, maybe when I look at cheese, occasionally I'll call it fromage. But I mean, other than that, you know, uh, I am not fluent in French. 
And so to continue on past that, I, I, I graduate from high school successfully, thank you. Uh, it, it was quite the trip. And then I go to college for a very specific purpose. I, I, I loved sports growing up. I absolutely watched sports all the time. Um, I spent my time memorizing statistics and, and, and gaining on that. Uh, the home run chase of 1998 between McGuire and Sosa was a daily occurrence of reading the newspaper to see who who has the lead now? What's the total? I, I mean, going through box scores in the newspaper was a thing for me. And, and ESPN was blowing up. And so there was this desire. I was like, oh, man, to be on ESPN would be great. However, I know, and, and I was able to temper my expectations, getting on ESPN is, is like the dream of dreams. So I go to college as a broadcast journalism major because I thought, you know what? There's a niche market out there. There's a niche market that is needed in Japan to call Japanese baseball games. And so that was my plan going into college. I'm going to get a broadcast journalism degree and go to Japan and call baseball games in Japan, which means that I would have to learn Japanese. Japanese. Right, so we see where this is going, right? I take two semesters of Japanese in college. You could tell me a Japanese word right now, and I wouldn't be able to tell you if you're telling me the truth or not. Um, I, I have no recollection. If you asked me on the spot to tell you something in Japanese, I couldn't do it. Um, it and so it, it just never happened for me. But it's not because the teachers weren't great. The teachers were great all along the way. It's because I never immersed myself into it. It never became my complete worldview and, and dominated to where everywhere I go, I'm speaking Japanese or I'm speaking French or I'm speaking Pig Latin. It's not what colored my life any longer. I wasn't immersing myself into it. Merely, I was learning how to translate to get by. And so I wasn't, it didn't change how I saw the world. To become fluent is to move from just translating one thing into another language, but to be fully immersed to where it becomes your world view, and you see the world through that. And so that's the goal of gospel fluency, is to become fluent in the gospel, that it colors our world view. And so we're going to spend today and the next seven weeks after this diving into how do we become gospel fluent? What does it require of us? Now, I, I'm not here to promise you that in the next eight weeks, you will be gospel fluent. I'm not Rosetta Stone. That, that's not how this is going to work. But we will have the basic understandings, and then it will be on us. Are we willing to immerse ourselves into the gospel to let it dominate how we move forward? And, and, and so part of, of what plagues us is much what plagued me with my foreign language, is is the gospel, we're not fluent in the gospel to where it colors every part of our lives, right? We do not see and understand the world through the gospel. And, and for some of us, we, we use other lenses. Maybe for some, 
you, we see and, and behave in the world through a lens of politics, that, that politics has the solutions and answers to world problems and my problems and, and everything else. Or, or maybe personally, it's an identity thing, that I see myself through the lens of my work and my success at work, or, or me as a parent or a grandparent, and I see myself, and that's how I understand who I am only in that context. Or, or even when other problems or, or things arise, we, we begin looking through it through competition or capitalism as a way to find solution or a way to encourage others. And so Paul, in the letter to the Ephesians, he says we're to speak the truth in love. But long before we can speak the truth in love... After we are born again, Paul calls the Romans in chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so it takes a commitment from us. It takes, it takes more than just a, a learning opportunity to sit in a classroom and, and learn the gospel, but a willingness to immerse yourself to where everything you are thinking, everything that, that is a problem or, or needs a solution or that needs to be celebrated in your life is seen through the lens of the gospel first. That that's where we begin directing our attention. That's how Paul wrote about renewing our mind. See, to become fluent in the gospel is to be completely immersed in Jesus. Then, then we can speak the truth in love. Let's look again at these verses that Paul writes. We'll begin in verse 11 and go through 15 here. He writes, And he gave the apostles the prophets and evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints. That's you guys. Y'all are the saints. When Paul writes about saints, he's talking about you, you Christians, dear sisters and brothers in Christ. You are the saints that he talks about. He says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So what he says here is this, that he gave apostles and prophets and teachers and shepherds and evangelists not to go be your professional Christian. The people on staff at First Christian Church of the Beaches aren't here to go do ministry in your place, but the calling we have received is to be the people who equip you to go do the ministry into the world. That this is the equipping station, the training ground, the hospital where you can come and be healed and then sent to go. Your calling is go. Our calling is to get you ready for go. And, and so... Paul makes that clear here, and then he goes on. He says, until we attain the unity of faith around the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, Paul began in the fourth chapter here. The first three chapters, he, he explains the gospel to him. And then he says in verse 1, I therefore, because of the gospel. And he said, he urges us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling we've received. And he says what worthiness looks like right here. The measure of worthiness is the stature and fullness of Christ. And so when we sit on that for a minute and we begin thinking, well, what is the fullness and the stature of Christ looks like? What is that measure? 
when we go and read the gospel accounts of every one of Jesus's interaction with another person, we see how everything he did was colored in the gospel. Every one of his interactions, he was fluently speaking gospel to every one of them. Some of them understood and others never got it. But before he spoke, he listened. That's a key to this, is the listening. So as pastors here, we were doing a, a Bible study ourselves through James, and it came up a couple weeks ago that James tells us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Or as my dad would tell us, God gave you two ears and one mouth to use them proportionally. <laughs> right? And so it's hard to, to speak the things of Jesus, to speak the gospel, to speak truth and love to another person if we aren't first listening to them. Otherwise, we're just speaking at them. And that's a very important distinction. But he tells us here, as he goes on, he says that so we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Speaking the truth in love. That's what it means to be fluent in the gospel, is to speak the truth in love. It, and we need to clarify here because there's a danger. It doesn't mean going up to someone and saying, I love you enough to tell you you have something stuck in your teeth. It's not what Paul had in mind. It also, Paul also doesn't have in mind because uh, my, my a brother or sister in Christ does something that I find to be very annoying that I then can go to them and say, you know, I find what you do to be very annoying, but I'm doing this out of love so you can't be offended. Right? That's not what he's talking about either. In fact, if we go all the way to verse 21 in Ephesians chapter 4, I know that wasn't in our reading, but we'll go down to verse 21. He gives us a clue. Or not really a clue, he just reveals it to us. Assuming that you have heard about him, that's Jesus, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. See, there it is right there. Jesus is the truth. So when he says, speak the truth in love, he's saying, speak Jesus in love. Speak the things of Jesus in love. So that the way to maturity and going out on missions is speaking Jesus in love. Now, Again, we still have to be careful here because there comes the tendency and say, oh, yeah, no, I can do that. I, I totally got where he's going. I'm good. We're ready to go. And then we go out in the world and we have a handful of Christian catchphrases yeah. or Christianese, and we just begin splattering it everywhere we go. No rhyme or reason and not really listen because, A, we're not listening to what's going on, or, B, we do listen and still we don't know how to address what the person's going through because we haven't really found ourselves fluent in the gospel. But we have these handy catchphrases, so we just toss them out there, hope it sticks and works. Have you ever been to a, a foreign country and walked up to someone and they said something to you and you don't speak the language, right? And they said something to you and you just look at them like, 
what did they just say? It doesn't make any sense. You have this look of dumbfoundedness on your face and you completely miss it and don't understand. There are times when you go out there with this Christianese and begin splattering it out there that someone has no idea what you're talking about and is willing to just say, okay, to move on and get out of that conversation because they're like, what is that? And they have no desire to learn because it didn't feel as if you had heard them. No, Paul calls us to do something more intently. To speak the truths of Jesus into the everyday living. I want to give you a couple of examples of what that looks like. A couple of years ago, uh, my good friend Paul, who's a pastor out in Lubbock, Texas, um, he unfortunately graduated from the university, or from Texas A&M, and he was, yeah, we, we have grace for him. Um, so he came out here because the Aggies were playing in the Gator Bowl. And so he came and stayed with us. And, and while he was here, he and I were going to go run and do something. And I was uh, becoming increasingly frustrated because I had lost my keys. I couldn't find them anywhere. They weren't in the trunk drawer. They weren't on top of the counter where I know I had laid them right? You've been there. And they weren't on the counter at the other place where I've laid them before. They weren't on the key hook that we bought that we never hang the keys on, right? I mean, you're starting to relate to this. And he he said, hey, Nathan, why don't we pray about this? What? What are you talking about? Pray about these lost keys? And he he goes, what's the matter? Do you not trust in the sovereignty of God that he's in control and he cares for you? Yeah, my toes were hurting. <laughs> and I said, well, of course I do. And he, and he goes, oh, so then why aren't you going to him? You think you can do it all by yourself? So we prayed. And he reminded me that, that Jesus is king of the lost. We prayed and we sat down and the frustration and worry was gone because Where we needed to go wasn't that important, and we knew God would take care of it. Then when we decided to go a little later on, there the keys were, right where I'd left them the whole time. It hurt a little, but he was kind enough to speak the truth and love to me in that moment. He recognized something deeper, that it was greater than just lost keys, but there was something in my heart there that, that believed I needed to do it all by myself. Another way that, that we can see this is uh, sometimes when we worry, and we begin worrying about different things for various reasons, and, and so what do we do to try and quell that worrying that we're doing? What do we do or go to to try and and help us work through it? Or what are we attempting to do so that we could once again feel like we're in control? So when we speak the truth and love in those moments, we need it for ourselves. Because when we're worrying, what is it that we then believe about God? What does that worry say that we believe about God? That he doesn't care for us? 
He doesn't love us, that he doesn't work all things for the good of those whom he loves. And so we've got to work through it. And the reason we don't is simply because the way we look at the world isn't through the lens of the gospel. And so we find ourselves like the man who came up to Jesus in Mark 9 and says, I believe, help my unbelief. Because there's those moments where we're not much different than unbelievers. We have those moments in our lives that, that we have completely disregarded God having anything to do with, and we are trying to do it ourselves, or we are searching outside help for it. But we aren't turning to God. And so it's time we turned to Jesus and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And so that's what this takes to be gospel fluent. It takes immersing ourselves into a gospel community, in, into the messiness of this, to, to learn and to grow. Because if we're going to get serious about loving everyone and growing in Christ and going into the world, then we have to be ready to be immersed in the gospel to let it soak over everything in our lives. And there's going to come a moment, and we're going to think we got it. We're going to think, ah, I understand all of this now, and we're going to encounter someone, and they're going to be going through something, and we're going to be like, this is it. I'm going to speak gospel to them. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to speak the things of Jesus into the midst of, of whatever issue is going on right now, and it's going to be a complete mess. It's going to be real messy. And, and so, but the thing is, we're growing, we're, we're learning, and there's grace involved in this. It's, it's like when you go to a foreign country and you've been studying forever, yet you haven't really talked to anyone in that language. And so you show up and, and you begin speaking to them, like you go to Spain, and so you begin speaking Spanish to them in Spain, and you don't conjugate the verb correctly. You use the feminine form instead of the masculine form, and then all of a sudden, they're looking at you like you have a third eye, and clearly you don't know what you're talking about but they're always gracious and understand and help you work through it. It's going to get messy like that. It's going to get real messy and uncomfortable at times because this is something new that we're having to grow into, a new way of seeing the world, the way that Jesus called us to. Remember that we, he urged us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling we've received. He's called you from the world. Not so that you can go back to the world and be just like it, but so that when you go back into the world, you go back into the world with Jesus and with the things of Jesus. So no, there's not a seven-week program to learn how to speak Jesus and the things of Jesus to all of your friends so they know Jesus too. But rather, we're going to spend this time together committing ourselves to immersing ourselves into understanding the process of what this is going to take, understanding it's going to get messy, but understanding also that as we grow in the grace of Christ, so too will we grow in our courage and ability to go. Amen. Amen.